Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Tom Jones joins us now from Pointer.org. Tom, I wanted to get into you uh, to talk about this uh, Naomi Osaka situation, the uh, Japanese tennis player who basically withdrew from the French Open. Uh, she didn't want to participate in the uh, media sessions. They were going to, they were going to fine her $15,000. Um, instead, she up and went. She took her racket and, and went home. Um, mm-hmm. And and it was it was sort of surprising that, that maybe that was her reaction, but then she was disclosed that she really has had anxiety and suffered from some depression since winning the U.S. Open a few years ago, and that she just frankly doesn't, uh, enjoy and or want to participate in uh, uh, answering a bunch of questions. And some of that harkens back to, to, to her mental condition. You know, she feels like she needs some help uh, in, the, in those areas. And listen, we all are for somebody getting as much help as they can. Nobody wants someone to suffer up there, uh, you know, necess- unnecessarily. And, and so it's certainly her prerogative to do and, and go and seek whatever uh, treatment or counseling or whatever she needs. And, and I think everybody would, would not begrudge any athlete uh, that feels that they're uncomfortable in any situation that they, they wouldn't withdraw or do what they think they have to do. And she came back, I think initially, Tom, the, the implication was that maybe the media was, and I don't know the tennis media very well, but maybe it was a little unfair, yeah. um, maybe particularly to women or female uh, tennis players. But just there's a lot of layers to unpeel here with this situation. Mm-hmm. But let me just get your initial thought about Osaka uh, withdrawing predominantly because she didn't want to be uh, subjected to press conference. Yeah, so I, I think you hit on something that that sort of spun this story out of control. You know, her initial note, which was to tell the French Open officials, like, look, I'm not going to do the press conferences. I don't like doing them. Mm-hmm. And and she sort of seemed to indicate that, you know, the media, they we go up there and they ask us difficult questions that, that I don't want to answer and I don't, I don't need them getting in my head. This is a big year for me and mentally it affects me and I don't want to have a negative thought in my head. And it almost came off like I don't like the way the media treats me. And French Open officials said, okay, we're going to find you 15000 which I'm not – we can get into that. I'm not crazy about that idea. But mm-hmm. they're trying to get their players to promote the sport and everybody else. And that else. happens in, in other sports as sure. well. It happens every, in, in, yeah. in football and in And remember sports. the famous Marshawn Lynch who Absolutely. said, I'm only here so I don't get fined. And he really mm-hmm. didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she came back the next day after, after she was then threatened with expulsion from not only the French Open but the other Grand Slam saying, hey, if you don't do our media – you may not be able to play here. And so at this point, she came out and said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to walk away. It's a distraction. And here's, by the way, I'm walking away. I, and it, it all comes down to, as you mentioned, she has a real anxiety, a real fear of public speaking. She's really uncomfortable in such, such situations. And that's why she decided she didn't want to be a part of it. Then began this discussion, Rick, of press conferences and whether they're really 
um, meaningful. And, that, and that's the part, Rick, that I'm most fascinated in. As far as the soccer goes, I, don't th- I think we all agree. You said it well. We don't want anybody to be in a position where they're feeling anxious, where they're, they're feeling damaged, where it's un- unhealthy for them. Yeah, that right. It impacts them in such a way that it debilitates them. Like, I think we're all for leagues, media, everybody doing whatever we can to make sure everybody's in a healthy place, mentally, emotionally. Correct. However, this idea that I've now seen about press conferences, and it's brought up a question to me, Rick, that I think there's a sense now among some people that we need to revamp the way press conferences work, that that this isn't this isn't fair to the athletes that that nothing comes from them a bunch of mindless questions a bunch of dumb questions going over the same stuff over and over and over again and this sort of feeling that Osaka just basically exposed the the idea that press conferences are a waste of time and Rick as somebody who's been in like literally a thousand press conferences I bet and you as well like mm. I think that's wrong. I think to to look at it and say the press conference is the issue, I'm not sure is the right way to look at it. I I'm all for making sure everybody's okay, and I yeah. want Osaka to feel comfortable, but I don't think we need to rip up the press conference because they're unproductive. Because quite frankly, Rick, I think they're very productive press conferences. Well, you know, first of all, we we come at it from a, a probably a different viewpoint than most people listening to this podcast, unless you're you're someone um, who either is in the media or an athlete, or you just happen to watch a lot of them. I guess you could have an opinion. Anyone can have an opinion about them. Um, but I mean, particularly in an individual sport, right? Like like tennis, but but even in some team sports. You know, we we just went through a year where all we had were press conferences, right? Where there wasn't um, sort of availability of these athletes outside of a Zoom call. So, so in essence, everything was a press conference, right? Um, even though certain athletes, when the lights or the cameras are on, might not be as willing to share everything as if you were just having a conversation one-on-one and that sort of thing. In an individual sport, I mean, when are you going to have access, right? Like, it's almost, you know, whatever you just witnessed, whatever performance it was, or in terms of, like, advancing the performance that's coming up, how else are you supposed to get this information? Obviously, there's a lot of promotional value to it for the tour uh, or for any sport, whether it's the NFL or Major League Baseball. Um, Generating interest is what generates customers which is what generates salaries which is what you're playing for you're a professional you know um when you made a decision to leave the amateur ranks then it's all about money and 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 there's a certain expectation that you're going to promote the sport and the way you do that uh is by going up there and answering questions and sharing you know part of your your being part of your now you know it's up to you ultimately how you answer or 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 how much you allow uh, a reporter or or the, your fans in general to get an inside glimpse of you or your psyche or whatever, but that that's all always been for as long as I can remember part of sport right part of performance for that matter, and I I just don't I I and I believe me, it's like any other profession you have some that are very good at at asking the right questions or soliciting good information or or reaction or emotion. Uh, based on how they do their jobs, and then you have some that aren't very good at it, you know. And I can't question everybody's motive that's that's got a microphone in their hand asking an athlete something, 
But I do know how useful they've been because I've been in the arena. You've been in the arena. Like, you know, you can probably cite examples of how, you know, uh, some of the better stories or the, or the better information have come from these press conferences. Absolutely. Look, I, I understand that, that um, the press conferences aren't ideal. Look, if it was up to me, I'd have one-on-ones with Absolutely. Bruce Arians after Bucks games. It would just be Absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't need anybody. I don't need him to call anybody. Right. And, and in fact, I'm I'm fairly confident that I can get better information than than everybody else that's on there. I mean, that's and listen, that and sounds arrogant. Don't even count and, the Zoom calls. Let's let's talk. Let's let's I, just let's a press conference. Pretend yeah. we go back to the and that's the other the other thing. Like press conferences, they are necessary so even pre COVID. That oh, the Bucks play a game, and there's what however many thirty. Outlets covering the game, thirty-five. There's yeah. not time to do one-on-one interviews. Everybody needs to. That's right. And it's not an ideal situation. I'm working on one story. Like you and I worked at the same paper. I was doing a column on one thing. You're doing yeah. a column on something else. Right. Like we we and we're all trying to jam our questions in here. Mm-hmm. So that the press conference is the only way to do it. Now during the week, if you have a chance to get somebody one-on-one, great. But yeah. and for tennis. That's the. There are no one on ones unless you work no. for the New York Times or, you know, some some. So you get some exclusive. ESPN or whatever. And you yeah. get some exclusive, but other than that, you're getting the same. Everybody's getting the same information at this press mm-hmm. conference. They're not ideal. There are bad questions. There are very bad reporters who ask dumb questions, mm-hmm. but I think for the most part, the majority of reporters ask good questions, mm-hmm. and 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 most of the athletes are okay with it and answer the questions. Here, Rick, I think it's also a, a, a question of fairness too. I don't know how many times that you and I have been in the press box, and we say, "Why would you throw the ball on that down? Why would you? Why mm-hmm. would you not take time off the clock?" Well, press right. conference is with the chance to ask Dirk Cutter or right. Greg Shiano or Lovey Smith or mm-hmm. Bruce Arians. Why? Why did you do that there? And you know what? You know how many times that I've gone in with an idea of like that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and the gum- and somebody come back and tell me, no, here's why we did. It. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, not only that, and in, in, you talk about fairness, right? Which is part of this conversation. You know that that maybe certain athletes feel that the questions aren't fair, or that reporters aren't being fair, or that they're looking for for some something that's um, going to put them in a bad light. Sometimes and very often, it's just the opposite. You ask these questions because you might assume something that isn't true. Hey, this quarterback made a horrific throw. Like, th- this lost the game. This quarterback threw the interception. The game was – and then you come to find out, no, nah, it wasn't all on him. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. this guy blew an assignment. This guy ran the wrong route. Um, you know, uh, this thing happened, and therefore that happened. So, you're, you know, in the interest of fairness, you're asking these questions to try to get what the real answer is, if they'll give it to you. And most of the time they will. Most of the time they'll share critical elements about, about game-changing plays or points or what have you. And, and that, that is part of the job. It's, it's, it's giving the reader something that even though they watch the game, they have lots of questions about it, right? Because you don't know what play was called. You don't know... Um, who might have gone the wrong way on a certain play, or for that matter, who actually made the play, even if it, it resulted in an interception. Maybe somebody else did something um, that, that forced it. So, you know, all those things are, are, are an attempt to be fair, an attempt to be could give some contextual, um, you know, aspect to, uh, to their performance. And I think a lot of times it can serve the athlete and does. You know, it certainly serves the reader. Um, oh, absolutely. And I also think, too, Rick, that that 
a lot of times we see these controversial moments in press conferences like, oh, did you see LeBron went off on a reporter or Serena yeah. went off on a reporter? These yeah. are the viral moments that 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 happen rarely. But when they do happen, everybody sees them. Most press conferences are pretty nondescript, to be honest with you. Like everybody Listen. gets the, the quotes they need for their story. You and I used to sit in one oh, practically every day over at One Buck Place. Yeah, we did. And most of the time, everybody got what they needed. But mm-hmm. there was there were no moments that were going to lead NFL Network. There was not, you know, rarely were there moments like that's going to be on Pro Football Talk like in ten minutes, you know. Um, no, but there were. You know what? Um, very often, not all the time, but very often, whether it's the athlete or the coach, they'll go in there knowing that this access is going to help them deliver a message or d- deflect something. Uh, in other words, they come in sometimes with their own agendas. Like they make use of this for their own purposes. And, you know, some of the greatest, some of the greatest in the world, you know, that we see on beer commercials, right. Um, were actually premeditated, you know, they were, they were, they were coaches that went in there, you know, bent on saying something, bent on leaving an impression about, about a performance or a game or a decision. And, you know, they, they sometimes become iconic. I mean, Herm Edwards was asked, uh, you know, at, at a certain point in the, of the season, uh, you know, about kicking a field goal or, you know, um, that sort of thing by Judy Baptista, which is the famous, you play to win the game. Hello, you play to win the game. And, you know, Herm Edwards had every intention, I think, of he, – I think he knew the question was coming. I think he was armed for it. I don't think he rehearsed it. It was hysterical, right? Right. What about Allen Iverson being asked practice. about practice? Like Are people, we about practice? people would have initially thought that's the dumbest question. But here's a guy who wasn't practicing, who who wasn't who went out there and didn't didn't care. And it, and and Larry Brown or whoever it was made a big deal about it, right? Right. And they asked Allen Iverson, and it it led to a funny moment, but one that was actually added some perspective like yeah you're right what are we talking about like, man we're talking about practice not the game i love not the game what are we talking about man we talking about practice we, it's, it's still it's one legend. of the i watch it about once a week you, i do i'm telling you it's still the funniest thing in the world just the way he says it and everybody gets it after a while they're oh, like yeah. or how yeah. about how about this a playoffs playoffs. Play, playoffs i'm just trying, trying to win, win a game, game. playoffs yeah are you kidding me? i mean there's a there's a million of those, right? I mean, I can remember covering Greg Schiano, and they were uh, boy, do I remember covering Greg Schiano. <laughs> there were uh, <laughs> longest two of the longest years of my life. They uh, they were in New York, and, and it was early in his uh, NFL career, short as it was. And they went and they played the New York Giants and the New York Football Giants. And they why do they say that by the way, not to be con- con- confused with the yeah, there hasn't been a baseball, York baseball team Giants. In New York <laughs> I mean, San Francisco's out there, yeah. So they're playing the football Giants, and um, it's Tom Coughlin is is coaching the Giants, and and Eli Manning is the quarterback. And the Bucks were up in this game like twenty one points, but for whatever reason, Shiano just decides to continue blitzing, and so Manning goes, "Okay, I'll keep throwing the ball down the field one on one with my outside receivers," and he proceeds to just bomb them and come back and win the game. And so they win the game, and but right before the game is over, they're you know the Giants are in victory formation. Now this is maybe game two of I think it was the uh, second this, game of the year, the Shiano sure. era, yeah, something like that, yeah. And um, so Shiano had this thing uh, where he wanted his players, even though they're taking a knee, victory formation, 
hey, I want our guys to fire off the line of scrimmage and try to get that ball. Like, wait, what? Because it was still a one-score game. Because, well, you, they don't get to decide the game is over just because, you know, they have the ball and, and, you know, they still have to run clock. But, like, when they snap that ball, we're going to fire across that line. And there's a certain decorum, rightly or wrongly, in the NFL that's existed for probably too many years, but it, it does exist. And that is, you know, when when all you have to do is take a knee, um, you basically let them snap the ball. They take the knee. Mathematically, you can't get it back. You're out of timeouts, whatever. And you, you recognize that the game is over and, and you go away. Well, that was not what Shiano wanted from his players. So he did get enough of them to do exactly that. And they damn near killed Eli Manning <laughs> because he was totally unrespected for it. Well, Shiano's point was, yeah, well, we would do that at Rutgers and – you know, and we we've we've gotten the ball back. We've it's actually worked. So they go into they the, the game is over, and and of course the Giants are going crazy on the sideline. Coughlin's going nuts because he had never seen this before in the NFL. And they go to the handshake at midfield, and Coughlin has his finger in Shiano's face like he is hot. Right, his face was as red as it was during that playoff game in Green Bay <laughs> when it was melting, and so. uh we go to the locker room and go to the, the post-game press conference. And you had to ask Greg, like, you know, what was that? And he made the fatalistic mistake of saying, well, I guess that they didn't watch much Rutgers tape. It's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you're, you're in an NFL game and you're talking about what you did at Rutgers? But he was, he was right and he was wrong. Um, it, it, it wasn't a good soundbite. But, you know, he went on to explain, you know, this is what we did. This is what we do. We're going to continue doing it. And it became a thing with veteran players like Ronnie Barber. They had wanted no part of it. And so there already was a bit of a schism developing among the veteran players who thought that this was completely Bush League, you know, that this is not what you do in the NFL. Um, and, you know, Sean talked about it that day. He talked about it on that Monday. He says, I'm not talking about it the rest of the year. I'm done talking about it. And then he went on every NFL show for the rest <laughs> of the week to talk about it. And some people thought, you know, this is a great idea. What he's right? Why should why should the other team decide when the game is over? And most of them said, "Eh, you can't really do this." Um eventually it it ceased, but not right away. My point of all of this is until you got his perspective in that press conference, until you reacted to literally what was happening on the final kneel down of the play and the handshake that didn't occur at midfield with with Coughlin's finger in his face, that became a big story for not just that week, but for weeks forward. And I just wonder, like, what, where would you have been, you know, if nobody shows up? Well, you saw the game. You know what I mean? Like, why did he do it? What was going on? What was the reaction? So, and again. Tell you what, Rick, I, you know, I've written a lot of columns in my life, and, and the only time I've really gotten pushback from an mm-hmm. athlete or a coach right. or a general manager was when I've written something and they, and they say to me, why didn't you ask me about that? Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And it's true. I, you know, a lot of people talk about the column that I wrote uh, about Jameis going to the school. Remember, you went to the school and yep. he told girls, you know, girls, told are girls to be to silent. Be demure and yeah. And, you know, and, and it, you know, people all over town talked about that and blogs were written and stories were written. And I took a lot of heat from it. You know, there's only one person in town who asked Jameis Winston. Tell me what happened and tell me why you said what you said. And that was me. I asked Jameis that mm-hmm. day before I wrote the column. Yeah. And while he may not have liked the column, I do know for a fact that he 
appreciated the chance to give his answer, which is sure. why, you know, and he told me his explanation to me was, well, there was another, there was a kid and he was acting up and I was trying to get his attention, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but at least I had his perspective in there. But look, Rick, the, the whole point of these press conferences, I, I don't look, I get it. There are some people who don't like doing it, who have a real anxiety. We've seen Marshawn Lynch apparently doesn't like doing them. Uh, Zach Granke, I think at one point had a real issue like mm-hmm. a real phobia, like this was like he was almost paralyzed physically from doing these things. Yeah, uh, you know, Osaka has. I believe her totally. I totally believe her when she says that she has issues dealing, and she doesn't like it, and it, and it, and she, and she, she feels like it really harms her, and she spends too much time worrying about it. And you can feel that, by the way, that's palatable. I mean, if you watch, has anybody ever other... public spoken before? If you're not, if you don't like it, that's one of the biggest fears there are for people. Like, uh, if I'm, I, if yeah. most people listen to this podcast, if I told you you got to get them talking in front of 500 people tomorrow at work or whatever, right? You'd be like, oh my god, or read it, or I'm going to ask you to read a, pa- a page in a book. You would be nervous. Well, I get I mean, it. I'll tell you, in my personally, in this job, I still have anxiety about certain things that I've had to do. You know, it is not an easy thing to do when when you're having to ask uncomfortable questions, questions that you know that people aren't going to they're, they're going to take exception to the topic or, you know, um, they're going to think it's a gotcha or, or what have you. Um, or if you're on national TV for the first time or if you're, you know, we've all even in the media have experienced our own level of anxiety. Oh, so and it's look, not and, hard. She, and she's and Osaka in this particular case, she's 23 years old. Yeah, she's a kid. She's a kid yeah. who's who plays tennis for a living. I totally right, understand. Right. She's not a public speaker or a politician. Right. Or something I like totally, that. I totally understand where she's coming from. And yep. Rick, there's another, there's another area here that needs to be discussed. Maybe not by us, but I mean by by sports leagues like women. Yep. How are women treated by the media? How are women of color treated by the media? These That's are real fair. issues. I mean, these are these are questions that. That I understand. They need to be discussed. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I do think the tour. The, the answer is let's find her, kick her out of the tournament. The answer is let's figure out a way to make this work for everybody. And I th- and I I saw a solution tonight. I'll throw at you in a minute. Yeah. But I, I my, the point that I really wanted to make, Rick. Besides, yes, I believe Osaka, and I believe that that there may be, uh, you know, um, changes need to be made to to help people who who aren't comfortable in those situations. But at the same time, let's just not get rid of press conferences because mm-hmm. because of this. You know, I, I do think they're still valuable. And I hate to be the one, Rick, because, look, I write about – I used to write about, you know, NFL quarterbacks, even though I never played as an NFL quarterback. I don't yeah. think you need to have played the game to understand the game. Let me read you this quote. I'm but, glad you brought but, that up. But let me – well, let me Go just ahead. real quick say – and I don't mean to say if you haven't been in the position of a sports writer you don't know – but mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, as a sport, you can believe what you want, but I'm just telling you, as a sports writer, I'm telling you, press conferences are valuable. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's, take it or leave it. That's good perspective. Here's what Venus Williams had to say about how she dealt with these sort of uh, press conferences. And let me think, and this is hitting a little bit on what she just said. She said, for me personally, how I cope, how I deal with it, was that I know every single person asking me a question can't play as well as I can and never will. So no matter what you say or what you write, you'll never light a candle to me. That's how I deal with it. But each person deals with it differently. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay. And that's fine. That's fine. If that, and if that's the approach she wants to take, okay, she can do no whatever she wants. Yeah. My, my, thing, my thing has always been when people have talked to me about, well, why should you talk? You don't know what it's like to hit a Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When I'm writing about Evan Longoria, I'm not comparing Evan Longoria to me. Right. I'm comparing Evan Longoria to every other player in baseball. There you go. Um, when I'm talking about Jameis Winston playing quarterback, I don't compare mm-hmm. him to me. Right. I compare him to Tom Brady. I compare sure. him to Alex Smith, whoever. Mm-hmm. And that and and it, and I also I don't need to be a chef to tell you that like that steak you just brought stinks. Like well, it yeah, taste I, mean, I I don't know how they make movies. I've been around the sets when they do it. I'm not exactly sure all the process of editing and you've never scores, written one. You've never, never directed written, one. Never right? written a screenplay. Never directed one. Been on the set of one. It was Cop and a Half with Burt Reynolds, which I can tell you about in a minute. Whew. I, I mean, this we spent all day shooting one scene, and it didn't make the cut. And I mean, I was there all day. Sam White's threw a punch in a bar. I'll tell you about it. Uh, but it was Burt Reynolds. And, and the whole thing is is that I don't know how movies are made. I guarantee you I can tell you when I see a bad one or a good oh, one. Oh, absolutely. You know, The Godfather, good movie. Yeah. Don't have a clue how they made it. Caddyshack 2? No. Uh-uh. No. Mm. Didn't work. Yeah. And, so, and, that's, and that's what I'm saying about this. That's all we're like, doing. Yeah. If, you, if you don't, as I saw a lot of people who don't cover sports who said sports co- press conferences are useless. I'm just, And if you want to feel that way, that's fine. Yeah. I'm just telling you they're not. They're not useless. I, right. I think I think they are valuable. I do think they have meaning. Now, here's the, here's the idea, Rick. You and I, and I, I'm going to steal your idea because I don't know if you were going to say it, but uh, you had a, one thought about the number of people who are credentialed. Like there are some people who, quite frankly, yeah. And I and, and, and I, I, I let me also so real quick. Mm-hmm. Tennis media. I don't. I've never covered tennis except for Neither I covered I. a tournament here years ago, and it was a very small tournament. And was it the Virginia Slims? Yeah, it was like <laughs> something. Like, it was like the Eckerd Open. Remember the old Eckerd Open? And oh yeah, Carling Bassett was was Carling in that Bassett. And I yeah. covered her, and her dad had. I think her dad had recently passed away, and I did. I did a one on one story. That, you know. But as far as um, you know, this uh, you know tennis media. I think tennis media is a different animal mm-hmm. in terms of like you know how they. Well, it's international. It's international to begin with, yeah, right? So I mean, it's, it's more... very confrontational at times, and just weird sometimes. Not everybody, but again, I and I look at sometimes I look at the press conferences that we used to be a part of, and I look around and I'm like, man, somebody's yo who's like, I no wonder, <laughs> like, yo-hoos. no, seriously, no wonder, like, coaches <laughs> look at us and like, real, like, I got to explain myself to you guys, and I mean, we, I'm sure we, I'm sure Dirk Cutter felt that way about me. Like, I'm seriously going to explain our offense to you, like you, like you're going to get it. I understand the resentment or the, the sort of the, you know, the bitterness that, that some coaches are going to have over this because I'm sitting there writing whether he's doing a good job or not, and he's looking yeah. at me like you don't have the first clue of what we do. Uh, I get it, it, all it, yeah. of that, yeah. but at the same time, Rick, I just, I, I do think. If you limit the number of people who get in, and that was one of the suggestions, Rick. What if you start having pools, and mm-hmm. and only have and rotate them? Okay, after a game, we're going to have four people go in, and ask the questions. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, 
No, I don't and like I cut that. you off from what else you were going to say. There. No, I don't like that. I, I, I mean, I think, um, I, I do think there's a way, however, to make the standards a little higher. And, and my point to that is, look, we in in journalism and particularly in sports journalism, or maybe just life in general, we have blurred the lines, right? So much between, you know, anyone can do it. Anyone could have a .com. Anyone can have a blog, right? And say they cover this or that. But who are you doing it for? Is it your own website? Is it a website that someone just created five minutes ago that doesn't have very many followers? Or maybe they do have followers. What's your training? You know what I mean? And I'm not I'm not suggesting that you have to, you know, have a degree in journalism to practice that profession because a lot of people don't and, you know, whatever. Um, that's fine. But there, there is there should be a modicum of whether it's communication law and ethics or just, I don't know, just some decorum where, you know, you, you just don't credential everybody if you're in a sports league or a team. Because I, I do believe that whether it's athletes, coaches, whatever – they, they, what I call the LCD, the least common denominator. They, they look at whoever's at the bottom of the food chain. They generalize that we're all that person. You know, you're you're only as strong as your weakest link. I believe that. Some can discern the difference. I'm not saying they can't, but I think too often we kind of get lumped into the group of, geez, look at this room. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, there's no doubt and 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 there are bad. There are people like any profession that are better at their jobs than others. And I'm not, that's not breaking news, right? Um, you know, if you're the best heart doctor or heart surgeon in the world, well, you're probably working for the best hospital and saving the most lives, you know? Um, by the same token, you know, they still call the guy last in his class an attorney, <laughs> you know, or a doctor. Yeah, yeah right. Depending There's on, a worse on, doctor in the world somewhere. Yeah. yeah, right. Somebody's at the bottom because they keep track. And so, well, look, Rick. Look, I, I don't claim to have asked a perfect question every time I've been. I, I no. ask. I've asked bad questions, and I've written bad columns. And I've absolutely. Written, and I'm sure, you know, just as you know, athletes have lost games and matches, and, and right, we're all human. We all we all right. screw up. Yeah. I just, I just don't want to. Say, I, again, I, I don't know. I don't. I guess I'm sort of walking both sides of the fence here, Rick. I understand where Naomi Osaka is coming from. I hope that the sports. Uh, the women's tour and the grand slams work with her on trying to make it a better experience for her because the last thing we need is for her not to talk to the, to the media, to not mm-hmm. to be public. She's one of the most popular players on the tour. The tour would, needs she, her. would she be popular? And you know, there, what is that line between promotion um, tour promotion, her own, her own brand is it enough just to pick up a tennis racket and beat the brains out of everybody out there and just let them admire your talent, whether they know the first thing about uh, you? That's the that's the, the heart of also the heart of this whole question, Rick. Is what do what do athletes quote unquote owe us? Mm-hmm. And I, when I say us, I mean not only just media but the public. Some people feel like all they owe us is their performance. They go out on mm-hmm. the court, they play. My, you know, I just to play devil's advocate here, I could say, okay, fine, go off. We won't televise them. Mm-hmm. We won't. You, we won't talk to you. We won't write about you. We won't put you on TV. Right. You go off and do your own thing, and mm-hmm. and then you, at night you go to your other job where you actually make money, 
Be, but <laughs> seriously, because if nobody In other covered, words, you, you chose to be in a profession that has a reasonable expectation. You're going to be interviewed. You're going to be... I don't... I, you don't have to be funny. You don't have to be entertaining. You don't have to be particularly insightful, but I do think you need to be available. I do think it's part of your yeah. job to help promote the sport. Right. And... Right. Um, and, I, and I know people disagree with it. And, and if you do, I, I get where you're... I understand where you're coming from. And if I'm an athlete... Yeah, I would. I, you know, Rick, I used to feel bad when I covered the light when I was a columnist, and even before that, I, Stephen Stamkos is expected to talk every day, and I thought I got to a point where, like, I'd leave and listen to some of the questions. That the questions I was like, well, "What are we going to talk about, Stephen Stamkos today?" But he was the captain; he was always there, and people always asked for him. And it was people who weren't around the team every day that was the easy guy to talk to because he's good to talk to. Yeah. But I understood where it's like there were some days where you're like, "Do why do I need to do this?" But he did it because he sort of got it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is what I have to do. We're trying to sell tickets, so you know, we're, that's part of what my role here. I know some people don't feel that way, and but I, I do, Rick. I do think it's I do think athletes have some obligation to help promote yeah. the sport. Well, again, this all started uh, because uh, Naomi had has a problem uh, with anxiety. With she's had problems, struggle with depression. I, I think if you read her her last um, letter that she wrote that was been published on social media, it explains with a little more detail about you know what what her aim intended to be, and that she didn't want to be a distraction, um, and and she didn't. And I thought to. that they they handled it poorly, Rick. The French Open and I tennis too. handled. It. I, I mean, do too. because they, they originally said to we're going to find you, and then it got yeah. to the point. No, now I mean, you're out. You know, like she was, <laughs> she's yeah. withdrawing. You should have never gotten to a point where she felt like she had to withdraw. No, I don't even think they should have got to the point where they were finding her. But I mean, it also got to a point. I mean, she had. Uh, there's no delicate way to say it but i think everybody knows what i'm talking to you when you have enough money that there's a phrase that when you have enough money you don't really care what people do to you or say to you you know yeah um and i think that's what it was it's like we're gonna find you fifteen thousand dollars and she's like hold on let me let me get my let purse me, that's right. like, exactly. it's, i have it i have the cash hold, okay hold I, my beer here. hold my beer i'm good <laughs> hold for my it. beer let me get my bag yeah. here here's your here's the here's the fifteen thousand i got it i'm, I'm good for it you know right. and i can we can do this every day <laughs> Because I have enough yeah. money to do that, you know, and that's when the, the tournament's like, well, now we got to do something else. They needed to work with her, and hopefully, they will work with her to help not just her but any other athletes who feel uncomfortable in those settings. Yeah, and in you know, in a team sports setting, like there's been issues where, you know, there's very capable guys that that can do good interviews that have decided for their own reasons, maybe they didn't play well, maybe they just didn't like talking, but were they were they we. <laughs> We've had players tell us not today, right? Like not today. And then you have you go to Sunday or you go to a game, and the player you come up to him say, "There's a key player, whatever." And you go, "Hey, uh, can I ask you about?" No, not today, fellas. Like, well, if not today, since it's game day, then when? Like, when would this ever be a conversation? So, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I I understand, you know, sort of the 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 you know the. Uh, I guess the pause that they take sometimes about whether they want to get up there and, and answer certain questions and they know what's coming and maybe it isn't always positive, but yeah, this one, I, I would agree with your first premise, which is you may not understand this. You'll have to trust us a little bit. I had somebody say to me, well, you guys did zoom calls, for example, and we, this kind of got back to the the whole wider with this locker room need to be open, which I'm a, a staunch, you know, 
I have, I have a very firm belief that if, if we're going to have vaccinated players and vaccinated reporters and we're putting the vaccinated players with everyone else, including on the road, um, and, and, uh, you know, to dinner and all that other stuff no that restrictions, right. they should, yeah, they, they should reopen the locker rooms and, and allow us. And somebody made the point, they go, well, I've read all your stories this past year and I thought the zoom calls, it worked out just fine. I couldn't tell any difference. And all I would say about that is, okay, well, yay me. Okay. That <laughs> I was able to find other means of getting information, whether it was using past relationships or whatnot, um, and been creative, but what we don't know is how many great stories did I not have an opportunity to find out about because we'll never know, you know, and that's the thing. Like you take away that sort of access. We don't know what we don't know because those relationships weren't made. Look, there's a whole rookie class, a whole team that won a Super Bowl. Many of those players I've never even met, mm-hmm. you know, to this day. And so, it's hard to imagine trying to bring readers or fans um, sort of behind the ropes with you. I mean, we have a job that, that is privileged. We're, we're able to go to places and have access to, to, to uh, the athletes that, and you know this, Tom, you, you've been into enough parties and enough, have enough friends that ask you, you know, what's it like? What's who's so-and-so like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. And, and we have that ability and that privilege all we want to do is share that with people, you know, because we are behind the ropes. And so you sort of want to be able to bring that to them, that experience that, that only you have in terms of access. So you take the access away, the reader doesn't get to come with you. And, and um, so hopefully they figured it out. We haven't solved all the world's problems. But <laughs> I had this one guy say, he goes, you know, I've listened to you talk about this thing like three or four times. I still don't believe, I, I, you still haven't convinced me. <laughs> like, okay, well. You know, maybe I never will. I, uh, and you might never, Rick. And, and that's the point that I'm trying to make is that, um, and, I, and like I said, I almost hesitate to say this because I, I, I don't like it when athletes say it to me, like you don't understand. Right. Exactly. I'm, you may not believe us, but, mm-hmm. I, but I'm just telling you, our job depends on access to players it, yeah. it, and, and athletes. In what, and the more access we have, in the limited, I'm all for one-on-ones. Let's do one-on-ones. Let's do that all day. Absolutely. <laughs> but there are some moments where it's unavoidable. You have to have mass press conferences right? because of deadlines, because of... Well, and otherwise, I mean, you talk about an imposition. I mean, how would you like to have an athlete have to stand there and do 25 one-on-ones? Oh, I've I mean, how been much in that time? lightning locker room where, you know, where it, and the way it's worked, and I, it used to be back when I covered the team back in the 90s when a team was bad, it was like two of us, you know, yeah, <laughs> and you could yeah. just get the locker room. Okay. Locker room's open and you get whoever you want. It's sure. turned into now like, okay, here are the three players you're going to be available. Victor Hebben, Steven Stamkos and uh, Alex Kalorn. And that's it. Dude. And they go one at a time. It's yeah. Steven Stamkos now available and like whew, massive, you know, crowd yeah. scrum gets running. And I could at that point, if I wanted to go to Alex Kalorn conceivably mm-hmm. and talk to mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. But I know what Alex Kalorn is going to say. Like, can we just wait? Cause I don't want to have to answer this question. Well, I'll again. do this twice. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, they, they, those have basically turned into press conferences as well. I would yeah. prefer to talk to Alex Kalorn one-on-one, but I get it from his, And that's where we bend a little bit and say, okay, I'm only going to make you do it once. Even though the quote I'm getting is also the quote that ESPN's getting and the quote that that's right. the radio, you know, 620 is getting and, you know, everybody mm-hmm. in town's going to get. Yeah. And everyone Channel benefits sort of from your own questions and whatnot. 
anyway, it's a it's a good topic. It's uh, something that uh, that that was organic that was raised uh, with this issue with Naomi Osaka, Osaka and I, I just think that um, it's it's worth your insights because you've been in the business a long time. I have. I don't think people necessarily. Uh, you know, my whole thing is. You don't always need to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> you know, just just enjoy the meal. Like just, right. You know what I mean? Like, just trust and we're us like, on we're this We're trying thing. to, we're, like, I would love to work with athletes that to make them happy as well. And look, sure. here's the bottom line. This is the way I've always felt about it. You could always pull a Belichick and just get up here and say nothing if you right. want. You know? Yeah, if you, if you have to. Yeah. Or you can take my phone number and call me whenever you feel comfortable after you've had a little time to think about it and... Yes. Maybe a beer or two. You know, I'm I'm open for business. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that, so long as you call me first. <laughs> All right. So, what do we got going on at uh, the newsletter pointer dot org? Uh, that's it. <laughs> but that, this, this, oh, this oh, did you write is, about this topic? Yeah, this topic. I've, oh, like three okay. days. Three days in a row. I've, I wrote about oh, it. Oh wow! Week. It's been really okay. Been, good. It's a bit of fat and. Uh, it is what's interesting, Rick, is the opinions all over the map. Sports writers are divided on this, which is interesting. To it's me. fascinating to me that that's the case. Are they divided on gender lines? I'm curious. Gender line. Uh, I, I think there are some people who are more sympathetic to, or at least more. I should maybe not like just more maybe empathetic. Empathetic to, hey, uh, what are athletes of color going through? What are women? going through on this time and i think and there are, are i think it's a worthy discussion yeah yes. i do i do i think there is a legitimate question about about all of that and, and are women athletes treated differently than male athletes i you know are mm-hmm. they may be the same thing with athletes of color particularly women athletes of color those are all conversations we should have and should give serious consideration to because that adds to the to the whole you know um reservations from athletes to want to participate so yeah we should definitely do that well check it out in the newsletter on pointer.org tom jones my former radio partner longtime columnist you've read in the tampa bay times joins us a couple times each week appreciate it tommy all right talk to you next week Rick. all right for steve versnick i am rick stroud of the tampa bay times have a great day everybody 